0: Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn uh, with me and get it out. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Today, uh, we're going to look at um, some of Paul's final words to Timothy. Um, Paul was a mentor. Uh, and a disciple of the younger Timothy, uh, and in our passage today, what Paul is going to talk about, uh, he's he's going to pray for Timothy, uh, which is appropriate, but he's also going to instruct him on really this one idea: how to have a bold endurance. That's what Paul's going to talk about, how to have a bold endurance in the Christian life. Uh, And this is a message that each one of us needs to hear. It's a message that our students who are graduating need to hear. Uh, And so we're going to jump in and see what Paul has to say today. Let me pray for us uh, before we jump in. God, we need you. I need you. God, help me to express your word clearly. God, help me to explain it clearly. God, and I pray that we would understand it, um, not just as knowledge, God, but it would transform us, change our hearts. God, may it impact us to live differently, to live boldly, to live with endurance in the face of suffering and opposition in our world. God, and so we love you. Uh, we pray all this in your Son's name. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, we're going to read 1 through 14 says Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And so Paul uh, writes this letter to Timothy, and uh, Paul uh, is writing this. It's commonly thought of as Paul's last letter uh, that he writes while he's still living. It's definitely the last one that is included in the Bible. Uh, So he's probably an old man at this point, and he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a younger disciple in the faith. He's now a pastor. Uh, He was discipled by Paul. And Paul had had brought him along with him, had discipled him and taught him. And then he had left him in places to plant churches and, and to pastor churches. And so Paul calls him his beloved child. He has such a heart for this young man that he calls him his beloved child. He wasn't his biological son. Paul didn't father him, but he was his son in the ministry. And so Paul is going to offer today, here's how it breaks down in the passage. He's going to offer a greeting, some kind words to start, as was common. And then he's going to get to the meat of it. He's going to give some instruction to Timothy. Uh, some final instruction, really, about how to have a bold endurance. Uh, He's going to remind him of the gospel, and then he's going to pound it home and remind him again to have a bold endurance like Paul has lived his life. And so let's start in verse 3 with his greeting. Paul says, "I, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And so Paul is expressing to Timothy his thankfulness for him. Uh, his, he says that he is so thankful to God for Timothy. Uh, he, he tells him that, I pray for you all the time. I pray frequently, often, both night and day. And you can, you can feel Paul, uh, his emotion in this. Paul misses Timothy. And he wishes that they could be back together again, a part of the same church, a part of the same fellowship, living out the Christian life together. Paul misses that. Um, But the reality is, is they probably never saw each other again. One of the things that Paul tells him that he is thankful for is this, his sincere faith. He says, I'm thankful for your sincere faith. Uh, what is sincere faith? It means that it's, it's true. It's real. It's genuine. It's not fake. It's not putting on a show, right? It is real. And he says, I am so thankful for your sincere faith. He's going to go on and talk about his family. Uh, and so many people in our culture, especially, are cultural Christians. They're family Christians, right? Because my grandmother was a Christian, so am I, which is so far from the truth. Paul doesn't say, I'm thankful that you are a family Christian or you are a cultural Christian. He says, no, I am thankful that you have a sincere faith, genuine, not fake. But Paul is also thankful for his family legacy, and he tells us, Um, that the faith first dwelt in his grandmother, Lois, and then his mother, Eunice, and now it dwells in him. And Paul is thankful for this. This is what parents are supposed to do. They are supposed to disciple their kids to love and to know God, right? And so he is super thankful uh, for that in Timothy's life. And so I think for us, we should feel some of these same things and we should do some of these same things that Paul is talking about. We should feel a thankfulness for brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We should be so thankful to God that we don't have to live in secrecy. We don't have to live out the Christian life by ourselves or all alone. We can live in community with other brothers and sisters. And now we have felt the opposite of that these past eight, nine weeks, where we've had to be more alone, where we've had to be separate from the gathered body of Christ. And so we should be especially thankful during this time for brothers and sisters in the faith. And then we should also, I think as Paul expresses, we should be so thankful for those that we have gotten the chance to see mature in the faith. Just like Paul had helped Timothy mature in the faith, we should feel that today. Uh, for, for these seniors that we've gotten to see grow up and that we're getting to see launch out into the world to make a difference. I think too we also should feel this longing that, that Paul expresses that, that he wants to be back together with Timothy and we should feel that same thing. <laughs> we should be ready to be back together after this virus. And in a similar vein we will feel this longing for these seniors that are moving on. Many of them will go off to college uh, we'll go off to work a job, we'll do trade school, all kinds of things. And, and the reality is, we may never get to live in fellowship with them again, right? They may never come back. They may never be a part of this church ever again. And so we should feel this, this, this sadness, this longing to be together again. Uh, but we should be excited about their journey. And we should pray for them. And we should pray that they have a genuine faith. Not, not, not something that's fake, because if it's fake, it's not going to last. We should pray that they have a genuine faith. And so he goes on. He's, he kind of said the nice things. He started, he's about to hit him. And what's he going to hit him with? He's given him an, instructions about how to have a bold endurance. Verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul has given him instructions about how to have a bold endurance. Uh, Verse 6 and 7 describe it like this. Fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Uh, we're not going to speak specifically about the gift that Paul had given Timothy uh, through the laying on of hands. We're going to speak generically or generally. Uh, but he says to fan into flame. What does that What does that expression make you visualize? Um, when when you have a fire going and you've left it and you've forgotten about it or you're trying to let it die out, what happens is there are still embers uh, that stay, right? And and they're little uh, embers that could be turned back into fire or they could fade away, right? And so to fan something into flame is to add oxygen like with a fan or with your mouth blowing on it to fan it into flame, to give the ember oxygen so that it will heat up, so that it will light on fire, so that it will catch everything around it on fire. That's the imagery that he gives. But if you don't do anything to an ember, what happens is eventually that ember fades away And it dies out, right? And just like an ember, what he's saying to to Timothy is these gifts that God has given you, what God has entrusted you with in this life, it's just like an ember. And, And it tends to fade in strength. It tends to fade in usefulness when it's not being used, when it's not being encouraged. And so what we need in our life, Christians, seniors, all of us, we need To have our ember fanned into flame. Because if we don't do anything, what happens is our tendency is to fade away and to die out. We need a fan. We need a wind. We need a breath to blow on us. And if we don't do something or if God doesn't do something... Then our faith will fade like an ember. And so what is it that God uses to blow, to to fan on our our fading little faith? What is it that he uses? He uses the Spirit, That's what he says. Uh, in, in the original, it, the, the word for spirit is the same word for breath, is the same word for wind, is the same word for spirit. It's all the same word. And so there's this, there's this double meaning here that what he says is the gift that God has given us is the spirit, which is what will fan us into flame. It's, it's a breath. It's blowing on the fire. But what we need in the Christian life is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. And what an ember needs to ignite is a breath. What a body needs to breathe is, uh, what a body needs to live is breath. And what a Christian needs to live with a bold endurance is the spirit. And the Holy Spirit, we don't have time to talk about the whole thing. What he describes here is that that spirit that God has given us is a spirit. uh, He uses five words, a spirit of not fear, a spirit of power, love and self-control. I don't know how many words that is. That's way more than five. But first, he says it's a spirit not of fear. Uh, This word for fear uh, is the word that they would use to describe someone who. uh, who ran away in the midst of a battle someone who deserted someone who was a coward someone who left it's not just that they they i think all soldiers feel feel fear but not all of soldiers fear leads them to leave the battle right and so this this term that the god this, the spirit that god has given us is not a fear it's not of turning in the midst of battle, turning in the midst of opposition away from that which we know we are called to do, right? That is the opposite of what Paul is describing. The spirit that we have been given is not of fear. It's not of cowardice. It's not of, of deserter, right? It's a spirit of boldness, right? He goes on, it's not a fear, it's of power, Those of us who are Christians, who have been saved by the good news of Jesus Christ, have been shown God's power. Romans 1.16 says that the power of God unto salvation is the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the power of God. And so those of us who have experienced God's power by being saved, now are equipped with that power to live. Right, We, we don't we aren't empty. Our tank is not empty. No, we have been given power. We've been given an engine. We've been given fuel to live the Christian life with a bold endurance. Christians, seniors, every one of us, you have a spirit of power, not of emptiness. He says that we've been given a spirit of love, not hate, not racism, not rejection. He says we've been given a spirit of love. It's love for God, yes, it's, but it's love for neighbor. It's love for uh, one another in the church. It's love uh, for the world. It's love for neighbors. It's love for enemies. It's love for the nations, right? So many expressions of what this spirit of love is supposed to lead us to. But just like the picture of an ember, right, it's not meant to be this tiny little love, right? It's meant to be big. It's meant to be fanned into flame so that it would consume us and consume those around us, right? Jesus said that that they will know we are disciples by our love. We've been given a spirit of love. And so we are not living this Christian life afraid of what might happen. No, we are living boldly and living in a loving way to all that we meet. He says it's a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love. Of self-control. We don't just, uh, now that we have started this Christian life, we don't just live for ourselves and do whatever we want. No, we are called to live a life that isn't giving in to ourself, giving in to our sin, right? We are called not to be controlled by our sin, but to be controlled by the Spirit, to be fueled by the Spirit, to be fueled by God's desires. And so this means that we don't spend our life chasing after pleasure, chasing after selfishness, chasing after whatever we think will satisfy us. He says, no, we have self-control. We believe and we are sure and we are confident that what God says is best. And so the the same idea of not having fear. So many people have fear that if I become a Christian, I'll miss out on so much that this world has to offer. And what he's saying is this, is that we don't have to be afraid of what we might miss out on. Because what we have been given is self-control to know that God has what is best for us. And we are called to live for him. That is the spirit that we have been given. So Christian, this is who you are. This is who you are. Senior, this is who you are. You don't have a spirit uh, that is of fear, that is scared of what is ahead. No, have a spirit of power and love and self-control and ultimately boldness. Right, Verse 8, he goes on and he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the gospel. The testimony about our Lord, our witness to the gospel, the good news. He says, don't be ashamed of it. And so another mark of of the spirit in our life is boldness, not fear. Fear is turning from something that is scary and running away from it. Boldness is going straight into it with the power and love and self-control that God has given us. It's boldness about the gospel. Boldness, it's, it's being unashamed, right? So what does that mean? What does that look like in a Christian in 2020? What does it look like for a young college student in 2020? Well, I think it's a little bit easier maybe first to talk about what does it look like to be ashamed of the gospel? When people are ashamed of something, they don't talk about it. When people are ashamed of something, they try to hide it. When people are ashamed of something, uh, they don't go near it. They they cower. To be ashamed is to cower, to run away, to desert, to leave, to be apathetic. It's to be like an ember that is fading away. Yeah, it's kind of there, but it's not going to be very long. That's what it means to be ashamed of the gospel. But Paul says, don't be ashamed. So he says, be unashamed. Right? what would it look like to be unashamed of the gospel it means to be unashamed of something is to to talk openly to talk boldly about it to share it freely to to not be uh, ashamed of it, right? It means that we are filled with the spirit and we are set ablaze. The fan is blowing on our ember and it is growing in heat, right? It means that we're we're not just kind of loving. No, we are full of love. We're not just kind of powerful. We are full of power. We're not just have a little bit of self-control. No, we are full of self-control to be full of boldness. That's what it means to be unashamed. And so what God has called us to do is to be used by Him to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, to spread the good news not just to the ends of the earth, but right here in Huntington, Texas or in College Station or in San Marcos or wherever it is you're going to school. This is who you are and this is what God has called you to do. You've been given a spirit of of love, power, and self-control, not of fear. And you've been given a calling to be unashamed for the gospel. That's who you are and what you've been called to do. But how and why? Why has God done this? Well, he goes on in verse 9 through 11 to talk about the gospel. Because you can try to do all these things, but if you don't really understand the gospel first, none of that matters. So look at verse 9. He gives a lot of description about what it means, uh, what the good news means. Verse 9 is talking about God, and it says, "...who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus." who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. So verse nine through eleven really clearly explained the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done in each Christian's life. He reminds Timothy of the gospel because we, we are tempted to live uh, out of our own power, out of our own strength, out of our own love. And he says, no, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to be controlled by the Spirit. And the Spirit is the one who helps you to understand the gospel. And so what is the gospel? It's these things. Verse 9, it says that God saved us. It means he rescued us. He, he, I think about the sermon on Easter of the, the little boy trying to be rescued from the, the, from the waters that were pulling him away. God succeeded in rescuing us, pulling us out of certain death and certain danger, right? He didn't just save us and rescue us and bring us to shore and say, okay, go along your way. No, it says that he, verse 9, called us to a holy calling. He didn't just save us for... You know, So we can do whatever we want. He saved us for a purpose. He gave us a purpose to live for. He gave us a life to live for that is better than anything that we could imagine on our own. Verse 9, it says that he saved us not because of our works, not by our works, but by his purpose and his grace. The gospel is not that we earn our way to God, we come from the right family, or we do enough good deeds, or give enough money, or whatever it is that we think will earn us favor with God. The gospel is not that. The gospel is that Jesus loved us despite us. Not because we earned it, but because God loved us and gave us grace, something we did not deserve. It says that he did this in Christ before the ages began, before time ever existed, right? God had this forethought, this this love that existed from long ago. And he had a plan in your life to do this way before you ever thought about seeking after God. I don't care what family you come from. God loved you before you loved him. That's how much he loves us. He knew you would reject him and he chose to send his son Jesus to die for you anyway. That's real love. Verse 10 says, now we have seen what he had planned in Christ. It has been manifested. Right. And now once we have seen what Christ did, he came, he lived this perfect life. He died a brutal death on a cross as an innocent man. He was buried but he rose again three days later, showing that he had power over sin and death, right? Once we have seen what Christ has done, we understand real love. We understand real power. We understand self-control. We understand grace. We understand mercy, right? And until you see Christ and what he has done, you cannot understand the gospel. You cannot, you cannot give your life to him. It's all a show. It's all fake. But that's what God has done. Now that we have seen it, we can believe it. In verse 10, maybe one of the most amazing ones, 10 and 11, He abolished death. That once we believe and put our faith in Christ, we don't have to experience the death that we deserved. That's what grace is. We get something that we didn't deserve. What we did deserve was death because of our sin, our rejection, our rebellion against God. But He says he abolished death for us. In verse 10 it says he brought us life and immortality by the gospel. We get something that we didn't deserve. We get life. We get to experience life on this earth living for God and we get to experience life forever with God in heaven. Now I don't know about you but when you think about all the benefits of the gospel, when you think about all the things that we get, when you think about the things that we really deserved because of our rejection of God, because of our sin, when we describe the gospel right here, it blows me away. It blows me away. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve God. I don't deserve a life with Him. None of us do. But God loved us so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. Right, our depth of understanding of the gospel will determine how we live out the Christian life. And if we have a shallow understanding of what Jesus has done for us, if we think that this whole thing is just about living out, uh, being kind of a cultural Christian because our mom and dad and grandparents were Christians, then we've missed it, right? We won't have a bold endurance, which is what he's going to describe next. Look at verse 12. He says, Which is why, he says the gospel, is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. He really repeats some of these same instructions about having a bold endurance. Verse 12 and 13, he, he, he says, I am not ashamed. He told him, you don't be ashamed. And now he says, I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed. I am convinced. Right? Paul has this surety that, that is unmatched and he's telling Timothy, do not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Even when it causes suffering, Paul is likely in jail because of his faith at this point. Paul, Paul has suffered immensely for his faith. So why a bold endurance? Because there will be suffering and there will be opposition. It's going to require endurance, Christian, to live out your faith. Senior, it's going to require a bold endurance to live out your faith. And so what Paul's instructions are is follow my example. Follow the words that you heard me speak. And what he spoke is God's word. And so what he's saying is live out the way I live just as I follow Christ. What he is saying to young Timothy is it is worth it. It is worth whatever it costs to follow Jesus, even if it leads to suffering. Now, the only way that you can say that and believe that is if you really believe the gospel and the depth of the gospel, that it is of immense value. What we get in Christ, what we get by following Christ is worth so much more than even suffering, than even imprisonment, than even death. And I'm saying to you today, seniors, and I'm saying it to you, church, and you as individuals, it is worth it to follow Jesus. No matter what may come, no matter what it may cost us, the cost of that is so small compared to what we get. What we get in the gospel is of such great value that suffering for the gospel doesn't compare. And if you don't believe that, then you've yet to fully understand the depth of the gospel. Seniors, hear me today. It is worth it to live your life for Christ in college. It is worth it to live your life for Christ as a young adult, as a young professional, as a young married, as, as a parents, as, as empty nesters, as old people. It is worth it to live your life for Christ. Do not let it fade. Don't give in when there's opposition to your faith. There will be. There will be suffering. It will get hard. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't surrender. It will be hard, but it is worth it. And what he says in verse 14 is this. He says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you, just like a bank account starts with a deposit of money. What he says is, the deposit that was entrusted to you, Timothy, was your raising in the faith. He says, guard that. And like a a, a bank account, like an investment account, let it grow. Don't just bury it in the ground and and then come back later when it's of no value. He says, no, your faith is an investment. Continue to pour into it and guard it so that it grows. It's similar to this fan into flame language. He says, don't let it just fade away and reduce in value. No, let it grow. Invest in it. Spend time. Let the spirit control you and guide you and let it grow. And he also uses this language of guard it. And I think what he's getting at is that that there are enemies that want to come in and steal that. They want to come in and take it. And don't let an enemy sneak in and, and distract you from the one passion that you need to have. Don't let him distract you from the thing that matters most, which is life with God. And so my question for you to think about today, each one of us, are you fanning into flame the gift that God has given you? Is your faith fading away like an ember or is it heating up because the Spirit of God is breathing on you and it is growing and spreading and reaching other people, right? Which one is it? Is it fading or is it growing? Are you living the Christian life with a bold endurance or are you just living with this fearful apathy, afraid of what the world might think, afraid of what others might think? struggling because people are against us. That's not what we were called to. We were not given a spirit of fear. You were given, because of the gospel, a spirit of power and love and self-control. Live it out. Live it out and let it grow. Seniors, I can't help but think of you. You have lived in some very interesting times. You were born into this world right after 9-11. A world full of fear and you're graduating high school during the middle of a worldwide pandemic, a world full of fear, both times very full of fear. And you have a choice uh, whether you're gonna have a spirit of fear or whether you're gonna have a spirit of love, of power, and of self-control to fan into flame that which God has given you, to live out a bold endurance. I started as youth pastor when y'all were finishing up seventh grade. Um, I've had the chance to be with you for for five years, five plus years now, and I've been on retreats and camps and mission trips and so many Wednesday nights and so many experiences together, fun and spiritual, And, and I've been with some of you at the hardest points of your life. And I too am like Paul, and I am so thankful for each one of you. I'm thankful for your faith, and I'm praying that it is genuine. I'm thankful for your families that have passed down faith to you, just like it should be. And I'm praying for you each and every day. I'm praying that you would have a bold endurance in your faith. And I want to say to you, just like Paul said to us on this, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the gospel, even when it gets hard to live it out. Guard what God has given you. It is a priceless gift of immense value. See to it that you fan that ember into flame by relying on the Spirit of God so that you can live out your calling, what God has given you, to spread the gospel wherever you go. And church, I'm praying the same thing for us. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we, have, we should never be embers that are fading away. This church should not be slowly fading. We should be breathed on and, and, and fueled by the Holy Spirit to fan into flame the faith that God has given so many of us to give us a bold endurance in Huntington, Texas, a boldness to speak the gospel clearly to every single one of the 8,000 people that call Huntington, Texas home, and an endurance to remain faithful even when hard times come, even when there is opposition, even when there is suffering. Church, I am praying that for us, praying that the Spirit would fan into flame, would set us on fire, to reach Huntington for Christ. Now, if you're watching today, and you don't know Jesus, you're not a Christian, or, or, or maybe you claim to be a Christian, but deep down inside you know that your faith is not real. It's not sincere, it's not genuine. It's, it's fake, it's just a show. It's good for business, or it's good for your family, or whatever, but it's not real in your life. I wanna to speak to you. I want you to know you don't really understand hope. You don't really understand life. You don't really understand uh, what you're missing out on. You think that Christians give up so much to follow Jesus and it's not worth it. And I want you to know that you're wrong. That you've banked yourself on the wrong side of history. You are caught in your sin. You are caught by your sin and your selfishness. If you're not in Christ, you're heading down a road that will lead to death. But listen to me, I'm pleading with you. You can be set free. You can be forgiven. You don't have to go down this road. Jesus Christ came and lived and died and was buried and rose again so that you could have life. You can have real life in Christ on this earth and forever. See, what Jesus did, he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. But instead of reaping the benefits of that, of getting what he deserved, a life forever with the father, he gave it up and he traded with you and I. He took what we deserved and we got what he deserved. And he died on a cross for our sins even though He was innocent, even though He was perfect. He did that because He loves you. He did that so you could have life. And if you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. Hear me today. It is worth it to follow Jesus. And if you've never done that, if you've never had genuine, sincere faith, today is the day. Turn from your sin, repent, and turn to Christ and be saved. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you who feel that conviction right now. And if you want somebody to pray with, we're going to put up some numbers down here. You can call our pastor. If you're a woman and you want to talk to a woman, you can call cricket. You can call me. If you don't know who to call, call somebody. Call somebody you know that has sincere faith. They would love nothing more than to listen, to point you to Jesus, to life and away from death. So let me pray for us. God, I pray for each one who feels that conviction today. God, may may you... Breathe on them with the Holy Spirit to convince them that Jesus is better. Jesus is life. God, may they not turn uh, their own way, God, but may they turn away from that and turn to you. God, fan into into flame faith in their life today. God, and I pray for each one of us as part of this church and our seniors especially. God, God, give us a bold endurance. A boldness to not be ashamed of the gospel and the power it has. And to not be uh, uh, cowards full of fear, God, but give us an endurance to withstand opposition, to withstand persecution and, and, and um, any suffering that we might face, God. God, we need a bold endurance. I pray that you would pour that out in each one of our lives. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.